Now, I want to bring a lesson tonight uh, coming from Hebrews, the 10th chapter, uh, a couple verses, beginning at verse number 22, and I'll conclude at verse number 25. I'm reading from the NIV chapter or uh, version of the Bible, and it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to tag this lesson tonight, Shift Matters. Shift Matters. And I want to focus in and just reflect a little bit on that phrase and hone in and drop anchor there. Uh, verse number 25, where it says, not giving up meeting together. The King James Version, many of us are familiar with, says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves. Not giving up meeting together. That word forsaking means to discard, to abandon, to desert. And it serves as a caution to us. The pandemic shifted the world, three years on the other side, but it shifted some things. We had to shift, and we had to do it quickly. Some, in the context of worship, in the context of the church world, uh, some had to shift technologically in a way that they were not used to doing and did not have the resources to do. They shifted to live stream. Others shifted to Zoom church in a closed virtual environment, not going out to the masses. But it shifted the way we gathered. In his book entitled Leadership, Bishop Joseph Walker writes that one shift prepares us for the next shift. Come on, somebody. One shift prepares us for the next shift. If we were in the sanctuary tonight, I'd tell you to look at your neighbor and say, shift matters. <laughs> shift matters. And in the middle of the shift that we had to make, people of God, behavior changed for people. And those behaviors became habits. Lifeline was born out of that shift. And here we are, 151 weeks, I think, on the other side. And we leaned into the shift. And from a limited number of people, uh, we shifted. From a limited number of people in in-person worship on Wednesday night Bible study to a weekly listening audience of 100-plus people every week. It changed behavior, 
and those behaviors became habits. They say all you got to do is keep doing something seven times consecutively in terms of behavior, it becomes habit. Behavior is any action that we take in response to a stimulus. A habit, on the other hand, is a behavior that we've become so accustomed to that we do it automatically without even thinking about it. Oh, my God. When we say that someone has a habit, <laughs> that behavior that they exhibit because of a stimulus becomes automatic, and therefore, it becomes a habit. For instance, pre-pandemic for us, the stimulus for us was Sunday. The stimulus was that Sunday equates to worship. And the habit for us pre-pandemic was to wake up, get up, dress up, drive up, and make our way to a place of worship. But here we are, post-pandemic, and that was interrupted in the pandemic. The stimulus was the same, people of God. The stimulus was Sunday. The stimulus was that Sunday equates to worship. But how many of you know the behavior changed and the behavior looked like this? Wake up. Maybe get up. Maybe dress up. But here's the, the biggest shift. Grab an electronic device. Tap a screen and worship. The behavior changed and Sunday morning worship habit for some of us was forever changed. Still worshiping, still gathering, but changed. There was a shift. And this lesson tonight is not to say whichever way is better over the other. You know, there's an old saying that says, whatever works for you or whatever floats your boat, go on and do it. I, I, I didn't come here to, to, to juxtapose or to put one against the other, but it is an opportunity for us to think about what we may have given up in the shift. Our text tonight comes out of the book of Hebrews um, where the authorship is unknown. Um, when you hear folks talk about Hebrews, they won't refer to a person as we do with the epistles that we say and know that Paul wrote. The author of Hebrews is unknown, and it's referred to as the writer. It addresses, the book of Hebrews, a distressed and discouraged people who felt the strain and the tension of the policies of Nero. They were facing persecution because of what they believed, and they needed encouragement and reinforcement. <clears throat> and the writer writes to set them on the right path. It's written to help Christians hang on till the end 
by encouraging them to not become complacent or lazy. It's written to stir up their hope for the best, even in the midst of what may be the worst. The overarching message of Hebrews is that Christ is better. Jesus, Christ, he, he's, he's better. He's, he's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. Jesus, the Christ, is a better sacrifice. He's a better tabernacle. Hallelujah. He's a better altar, and his priestly work is better. It is superior to that of the Old Testament priests. That's what the writer is saying to them, that his humanity relates him to all humans. Uh, uh, you know, we, we understand that Jesus knows and understands. He's well acquainted with our infirmities. Jesus knows because Jesus has gone through what we've gone through. He's experienced persecution. He's been uh, uh, beaten. He's been scorned. He's, he's been talked about. He's been lied on. Uh, Jesus knows what it's like to feel like you are discouraged and you have been uh, taken advantage of and lied on and all of those other things that we experience in our human existence, Jesus understands. He is a model and a hope and a means of hope for all of us because our faith in Jesus gives us hope. That's the good news on tonight, that his life and his death gives us access to God and that he is our high priest forever. Uh, we don't walk up in freedom with dead pigeons. <laughs> we don't walk in freedom with turtle doves, and we don't walk in freedom with uh, animals of sacrifice because Jesus is the last sacrifice. Hallelujah. He's the high priest forever. Pastor doesn't stand at the altar and slit the throat of a bull and let the blood drip from the altar because Jesus has done that already, hallelujah, on our behalf. Uh, the writer of Hebrews lets us know that Jesus is better. And he's encouraging them not to get discouraged in the midst of all this disruption we're experiencing, in the, the midst of persecution. And he says, uh, while you're doing that, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Don't uh, forget about coming together. Don't give up meeting together as a group, as a body of people. The picture we get from this verse is one of a group action, uh, connectedness, and, and not individuality of uh, lone saints, lone Christians, out on an island all by themselves. Come on, somebody. It lets us know that um, that song, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else, is an untrue statement. The writer is letting us know that this coming together and being together has a purpose. That when we meet together, when we see one another, when we can touch one another, when we can hug one another, it is directly linked to a sense of 
encouraging one another. I know I'm right about it. I can tap in on my screen every now and then, but there's something about seeing your beautiful faces, Freedom Hillside. It's, it's something about touching you. It's something about the hug that you give me and hopefully that I give you that encourages us. So our current context, I just told us what the context was for the people of God uh, in, in Bible times. If we If we take a 2,000-year leap, 2,100 or more year leap into our context, there is negativity coming out of what is our Jerusalem, the capital of this nation, Washington, D.C. We've got carjackings. We've got shootings. We've got inflation. We've got eggs that cost a gold mine. Come on, somebody. Gas prices are rising again. Things can and they may get worse before they get better, uh, persecuted, talked about, treated, you know, funny because of what we believe and the faith that we have. You know, people start giving you a long handle spoon when you start talking about, I love Jesus. <laughs> uh, the folks that used to love me and hang out with me when I was clubbing and hopping, you know, uh, it makes them uncomfortable to say, you know, uh, um, I love God and, 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 and uh, I, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. And the places I used to go, I don't go no more. I love you, but uh, I'm over here now. It makes them uncomfortable. Uh, we're not facing death for that, uh, but it could be enough to cause somebody to lose hope when folks walk away from you. Even while all of that may be happening, people of God, uh, when we come together and assemble, there are a couple things I want to leave with you tonight that happens when we assemble. The first thing that happens, and this is not taken away from the fact that there is a virtual assembly. There is a way of virtually gathering. It is, but I just want us to think about um, what we may have given up. So when we assemble, first of all, it takes our eyes away from what hurts us, what troubles us, what disappoints us, what confuses us, what causes fear in us, and it places it on the one who heals and helps us bear the burdens of life. It's in verse number 22. The writer says, draw near to the one who is our High priest, the old song says, draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord, to the cross where uh, thou has died. Uh, I, I want to be close to the one who's able to do something about what it is I'm going through. When we worship, when we assemble, when we gather, it somehow refocus, and here it is, it shifts our vision. Uh, God becomes our focus and not what we are going through. Uh, I may be broke, hallelujah, but God is my provider. Yes, God, I, I, I may be sick, but God is my healer. Uh, I may be confused, but my grandmother said that God is a mind regulator. Everything around me 
around you, around us may be in an uproar, but how many of you know on the line tonight that God is our peace? I, I may be lonely, but God promised to always be with me, that he would never leave me, that he would never forsake me. Our focus shifts somehow in the gathering. Hallelujah. Not only that, but our faith is connected to and renewed in worship. Hallelujah. Our hope is renewed. Our, our faith is renewed. It's right there in verse number 23 where he says, hold fast, uh, unswerving to the confession of our hope. Uh, we hold on to the hope that we know is found in Jesus Christ. It causes us to realize that we're not alone, that we're not by ourselves. Verse number 24 says, let us consider one another. When you look at what Paul says in these verses, it lets us know or it, it focuses us in on this connectedness. Verse number 22, he says, let us. Let us draw near. He says again. In verse number 23, let us hold. He says words like we. He says one another. There is this sense of connectedness that Paul is uh, encouraging them not to allow uh, to be disrupted or interrupted. He talks about how we need to consider one another because we are not alone or by ourselves. Listen, it, it, it stirs up and lifts us, and it gives us a, a sense of um, I'm not in this thing alone. It's words of encouragement for us. Listen, when, when I saw Mother London walk in the building the other Sunday, a day after her house was destroyed and she lost everything, when I could walk up to her and hug her and touch her, it lifted my spirit. And all of a sudden, it shifted on the inside of me that things that seem so important and so significant in my life, all of a sudden, they're not as significant or as important as I thought I was, as I thought they were. If Mother London could press her way, oh my God, Gail, what's your your problem? When I heard uh, Deacon Charles Whitman give his testimony about being overwhelmed with everything he had to manage and what he was going through and how that made him feel. All of a sudden, I realized, Gail, you are not the only one juggling a whole lot of things. Get outside of yourself. It made me realize that I'm not out on an island by myself, but I am connected to other people who understand what I'm going through. And I want to let somebody on the line know tonight that you cannot get that by yourself. You can't get that by yourself. So if you're engaged in behavior that formed a habit and that habit has caused a disconnection, I want to tell you tonight, I want to let you know, I want to encourage you 
to shift and change the habit. If it's caused you isolation, shift and change the habit. If it's caused a distance between you and somebody else, shift and change the habit. If it's caused you sadness, come on here, shift and change the habit. If it's caused loneliness, shift and change the habit. If it has caused disappointment, shift and change the habit. Oh, my God, tonight. Because I believe tonight that in the shifting oh, that God wants to do, uh, that there are new attitudes and, and new perspectives in the shift, that there are new habits forming in the shift, that there are new relationships forming when we shift, that we see God in new ways when we shift. We experience God in new ways when we shift. We open ourselves up to to the moves of God when we shift. I want to let you know tonight, people of God, there was nothing wrong with the last shift. There was nothing wrong with the last shift, but maybe, just maybe, it's time to shift again, to get back to where we need to be. But how many of you know that timing is everything? So don't miss the shift. However you need to shift. There was one shift before, but God is saying to us tonight that it is time to shift. I can't tell you where you need to shift. I don't know what you need to do to shift, but I hear God saying shift tonight, and only you know, and only I know when we need to shift, to realign ourselves with God, to realign ourselves with the purposes of God, to realign ourselves with the plan of God, to realign ourselves with the promises of God. Only you know, only I I know, hallelujah, the adjustments that need to be made to shift again, uh, to, to align with the people of God and in worship. Somebody right in your house where, where you are, just holler out, shift matters. Shift matters uh, just because uh, you may have been forced to shift one way. Uh, doesn't mean that we have to stay that way. Hallelujah. That, oh, if we were in worship right now, I, I, I would feel a shout coming on. Just because we were forced to shift and adjust one way does not mean we have to stay that way. So can I encourage you on the line tonight that you got another shift in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, somebody needs to know tonight you have another shift in you. You don't have to stay right where you are. Oh, my God, because God wants us to draw near. God wants to draw near to us. God wants us to be in relationship with one another. God wants our hope renewed. God wants our worship restored. God wants our focus changed. Shift matters. Hallelujah. And perhaps, just perhaps tonight, a now shift is preparing us for the next shift. That's good tonight, isn't it, you all? A now shift just may be preparing us for the next shift. 
because I believe there's another shift. God is not static. God doesn't stay in in one place. God is a moving and an active God. So we've got to get in alignment with the moving of God and what God is doing. So a now shift will prepare us for the next shift. And I don't know about anybody else on the line tonight, uh, but do you need God to make another shift in your life? Knowing when to shift matters. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.